Hello and welcome to another edition of the Trivelo Coaching Podcast. Trivelo Coaching, where we get to coach uh, athletes of all ranges in cycling and cycling races and triathlon races. As always, I'm joined by a man with many accolades. I'm actually sick of going through them at the start of each podcast. <laughs> the, uh, the point is you won the Ironman, you went to the Commonwealth Games, you're very good at cycling and you win a lot of races <laughs> and triathlons and that is the head coach of Trivelo Coaching, Jared Donnelly. How are you doing, Jared? Thanks, Jordan. Um, I'm not sick of the introduction. <laughs> no, look, it's really important that uh, today's topic is all about um, poor achievement and good achievement. Um, and the psychology behind it. The both. psychology behind it. And that's why we've uh, brought on board another guest. We're keeping it in the family. So obviously I say every podcast, but if you don't know, I am uh, the head coach, his son, Jordan. And we've brought my brother and another son. Of the head coach, and that is Liam. Welcome, Liam. Thank you for having me. But yeah, today we're talking about something that doesn't get spoken about heaps in comparison to how important it is, and that is the psychology and mindset behind performance. I feel like everyone knows how important it is, but we train so much the physical side of of ourselves and our body to get ourselves ready, yet our mind can completely crumble our performances we don't want to focus on the negative too much but that's kind of what happens and you were dad you were really keen to talk about this why did you want to talk about it why did you want this to be the topic of the podcast i really think it's appropriate at this stage of the season in all of the groups that we're coaching at the moment some of the big a races are just around the corner and we know uh, the boys uh, and girls are going to some important world championship races in triathlon and cycling in the next two weeks um, and I just think it's really an opportune time to just have a discussion about how best to use uh, the positivity of your mind uh, to your advantage. And I know that you two have, both you and Liam, have uh, you know, extensively studied uh, the value and the uses of, uh, of having the, the right mindset. And this is the right time to do it, especially when uh, our athletes are preparing right at this minute for probably the biggest race of their year. And some of them, they've never been to a world title uh, event before. And, you know, we had Tim Jamison on uh, last podcast who won the road race at this event uh, in Perth two years ago. So, you know, if we've heard from a, a person who's won the, the event. We talked about his training and his preparation. We didn't talk a lot about We just touched on it briefly, didn't we, about his uh, mindset. But you could hear it in the way he talked anyway. You can hear his mindset and what he was saying. He was... He has such a strong mindset. I felt that towards the end of the podcast when he was just talking about his passion for cycling. And if you're going to go out there, you're going to train. And when he was when he was training for the Worlds, he said, I think he might have said it off air actually, but he said, do you think I missed a Saturday session, a long six-hour Saturday ride in that 12 weeks in the lead-up, no matter what the weather? Mm. Because a lot of people have, they, they want to do the preparation, but when something gets a little bit tough, they, they give up. And he said, do you think whether it was in the middle of winter in Australia, and it was cold and wet and hail in the hills mm. in the Dandenongs, I, I, I didn't go to the session. Mm. No, I, of course I went to every single one, and that was the preparation that he needed to win, which shows his mindset, I think. Yeah, and in his physicality certainly is that. I mean, look, we have lots of alternative options rather than getting drenched, um, and that shows how tough he was, um, and I think that's a great mindset. But m- me uh, sending the guys onto a two-and-a-half-hour, three-hour ergo as a replacement is just as bad as a six-hour <laughs> yeah. out there in the rain. So the yeah. guys are certainly doing all that in yeah. our group, but yeah. uh, not to take away from that. Just yeah. Yeah. you know, Sometimes it's almost a bit silly to go out there and risk 
yeah. risk the safety factors of riding, but that's not what we're here to talk about. But, yeah. but really, I just think the one thing that came through with him was his utmost confidence and the belief in himself. Yeah. And that was the real key to me that I got out of uh, listening to his uh, stories about all, all the races he did well in and some of the races he didn't do so well in. Um, the change in his attitude and how confident he was in this particular event and that's what I want to get across to some of the guys. Your, you and Liam's thoughts on how do you get your mind physically, uh, not physically, how do you get your mind uh, prepared for what's going to be, you know, a big day? And you've, you've put a lot into it. You've travelled across the world. You've spent money. You've, you know, hired a coach. There's, there's a lot that goes into it. So what, from your point of view, I'll probably ask Liam that, that question first. What are the, how valuable is your mind in terms of uh, comparing it to the physicality of your preparation? Well, yeah, we have our theories. And the the funny thing is, um, obviously, people listening don't know that I'm a physiotherapist, so I'm trained in very much the physical body. And I actually left the physiotherapy industry because when I started going down the pathway of learning about how the mind influences pain and function in the body, I started realizing that actually we don't really know anything about the mind but we know that it plays actually a bigger role in our physical body than our physical body does. And when I started learning that and started realizing that and started realizing just how much or how little we know about it, I got really disheartened <laughs> and I left the physio industry because because I, I honestly thought the physio industry was a bit of a joke in the fact that and the way they treat back pain and the way they treat chronic pain and all that sort of thing. Um so yeah, to answer your question, like it's it's incredibly important. Um, I guess yeah, to put proof in the pudding. I don't know. Have you told this story on the podcast about you at the Oz titles, Dad? About I'm 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 guessing you, you haven't told anyone because you don't like talking about yourself. But and forgive me if I get this wrong. But in the first stage of the Oz titles, maybe a couple of years ago, you were in a sprint finish with somebody. Who you weren't, you knew you weren't as good a sprinter as, and you actually had never beaten him in a sprint, if I recall correctly. And you beat him, and you won that. And that 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 title for you was that was your big goal for a number of years was to win that Australian title. And you looked at your wattage mm. after the race, and mm. what was it over a thousand watts for yeah, the highest number I'd ever recorded by a significant mm. way. Yep. And so, and you said yourself that. That isn't right. As a coach, I look at that and that's I shouldn't have physically been able to produce that wattage. Mm. And I did. Mm. And so it's kind of like the stories of the mums whose kids are trapped under cars and the mm. mums lift the cars up. Mm. You know, it's a ton, a thousand mm. kilos. Mm. And it's, it's not physically possible to, for that to happen. But then somehow these mums make, make, make it happen and it's... We, we have spoken about that exact race because the exact words you used when you were telling us the story is you said, I came around the corner and I just said to myself, I'm not going to lose. I'm going to win this mm. no matter what it takes. And that shows what it took your body to produce that wattage to win. And you have a lot of people listening will know this story, but briefly tell it again because it gives context to this whole thing, but the piano story. Yeah, look, as a young phys ed teacher in uh, early days, we were down at a country camp and the camp site went on fire. And we had to get the kids and the equipment out of the hall. Uh, the local fire brigade came. There was no real drama. It was pretty panicky at the time. But when you look back on it, it was pretty small. 
Um, but the the gist of the story was we got all the kids out safely, all the chairs, and there was a piano in the room, and another uh, helper and myself lifted the piano out down the stairs and away from the fire. Fire brigade came, put the fire out. Everybody was happy. We had to put the equipment back. We put all the chairs back, and then we tried to lift the piano. Two of us couldn't pick it up. The two people who had lifted it out of the room um, could not pick it up. It took six of us to pick the piano up and take it back into the room. And that was exactly what you just mentioned, Lamb. Mm. Exactly when you were telling that story, I thought of that campsite <laughs> story of how the mind and adrenaline, I suppose mm. adrenaline is another thing we don't really talk about much and how valuable it is. Mm. But that was, I was pretty freaked out by not being able to pick up the piano <laughs> with the same guy. And we looked at each other and went, oh my God, that is scary. Mm. Um, Oh, I guess, yeah, it's funny because you kind of asked me two questions about how important the mind is, but then what should these athletes who are going to the going to Italy for the world titles, what they should do? Rarely do we see athletes have an issue with, you know, putting up their all in at a sprint finish and that sort of thing. Like that's a, when you get to this level, when you're going to the world title, you know, you're a pretty committed, crazy person to have gotten to this point. Like we can all admit that as athletes, like that's we're mm. we're ridiculous with how we approach mm. training and um, mind over matter and that sort of stuff. So that's rarely an issue. What is a massive issue is the performance anxiety around these big races. And yeah, once the race start, usually people can get going and and going going a little bit better. But um, usually we see athletes get so worked up. And so nervous about these big events that it actually ruins their race because they've used so much physical energy around the stress and the anxiety of the lead up to this race. And then they're not thinking clearly in the race and they're missing breaks and they're mm. not making smart decisions. Um, that's a much bigger problem than just trying to push as many watts as you can in the sprint mm. finish because when it gets to that stage, usually it's it's pretty, pretty, pretty level. I do, as you know, coach... Uh, a big cross-section of athletes with different uh, philosophies on training and um, mindset and personalities, and that's normal, that's okay. Um, but I I do always um, wonder why some people have a better luck at some races and other people have really bad luck at races. And I'm just in, interested in, from a theoretical point of view of why why does it seem like that and we talked about uh um some afl games where teams get on a run and seems like everything goes well for them and everything goes wrong for the opposition and we've got a classic example of we'll talk about probably later with uh, jordan with your um, experience as uh playing finals footy and they're good they're good analogies to give people an idea of uh how performance anxiety can uh ruin or make the day unreal and it's not just big races either. Obviously, the bigger the event, the more likely you're going to feel anxious about it because mm. it means more to you. Uh, but you see it across the board with, at any level, you can feel you can feel nervous about a very standard race. If you're, mm-hmm. you know, AFL players, sometimes they get they get the yips and and they can't perform at any race, but not even just a final. Um, but you look at Richmond this season and how confident they are. And I watched them Friday night versus the Bombers. They've been doing this all year, but. They are not the most talented team, and you compare them to someone like GWS who have a team of just talented kids, um, but Richmond are just unstoppable because as a team they're so confident and they, they just, they're not missing targets, they don't fumble. Um, all, and 
you cannot underestimate how much that is to do with the mental side of things and confidence. Mm. And Gary Lyon actually said halfway through the season when the Bombers lost to Carlton the week before, played shocking, Carlton the worst team in the comp, and the next week came out and beat Geelong, who at the time were still you know, top four, top six side. Mm. Um, and he said, we cannot underestimate how much your the mindset of a team impacts a game because mm. this is the same team that one week ago on the exact same deck lost to Carlton and a week later have completely turned around and smashed along. And I think... They're everyone, the same players, aren't they? Everyone hears that and they go, yeah, 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 whatever. Yeah, but, mindset's important, yeah. Yeah, but <laughs> you say, no, don't underestimate it. It literally was the difference because the, t- the tactics haven't changed in one week. Mm. You know, The, the attitude the, of yeah. the players changed. The same players had a different attitude. Yeah. And it might be because the opposition were weak, so they had a, an attitude of, we'll win. Mm-hmm. Regardless, and they didn't. Mm. Whereas when the, the attitude had to be, well, this team's better than us. Mm. We need to actually really lift. So your attitude towards the mm. event can't be underestimated either. And this this concept of an athlete's form or the or the form of a team is just so fascinating. Because what what is form? Like, obviously, when it comes to like endurance athletes. Um, you know, you have tapering and you have specific training mechanisms to create biological changes in your muscles and in your cardiovascular system and that sort of thing. Like, that's that's one aspect of form. But then what's form, yeah, with regards to, um, yeah, a, te- a football team like this? Or, you know, we love the example of golf, you know, because the pro tour, the, they play four rounds on the same course, the same 18 holes, and at the end of each four, each round, they have a completely different score. You know, like they haven't, they haven't improved or like decreased their skill level in golf shots. It's nothing to do with their biology. It's nothing to do with their physical fitness or their peak fitness. They haven't. It's not nothing to do with the fact that they forgot to taper or they didn't taper correctly leading up to the PGA Tour. It's literally an idea of form, an idea of state, an idea of how well are you executing the skills that you already know you have. And what outside influences affect? Well, well it's the only influence is the, the mind, really. Yeah. How well you... But you've let those outside influences <laughs> That's right. affect your mind. If I don't get this putt, I miss the cut. <laughs> That's right. Um, and so, yeah, with, with Geordie, um, <laughs> Dad's watch just gone off. <laughs> with the first 10 minutes of this podcast, <laughs> we were trying to figure out how to put it on silent and we couldn't figure it out. <laughs> damn Apple watches. <laughs> um... Maybe our mindset wasn't good enough. <laughs> um, yeah, with you, Geordie, I love this story, um, mainly because I was—I feel like I was the, the super coach around <laughs> fixing your form, but you rang me round 22 in uh, the fir- your first year of senior footy, and you guys had made finals, and you had a big game coming up this week, first finals appearance for you in senior football scraped into the finals scraped into the finals yeah it's an important aspect of the story actually <laughs> well, I definitely wasn't informed <laughs> <laughs> and yeah you you rang me and um, you basically were saying look last month I've just been playing like shit like I've just been I'm not in the game I'm just I mean actually maybe you didn't tell me that <laughs> that was you dad <laughs> rang me it's like George he's playing so bad he's not in the game but yeah you rang me and you were you were similar you're like I just don't know what's going on um, and yeah we had a conversation about this very stuff um, about the fact that you know you're a good player 
your skill is in your speed and your endurance and, you know, using that to your advantage. Um, but we also talked about a lot about the consequences of staying in this state and the consequences of approaching each contest and, and each decision in the game and what would happen if you stayed in this state of lack of confidence in this state of, state of being unsure and what would happen if you approached each contest in the, in, the, in the state of, actually, no one's fitter than me aerobically in this league. I know that because, you know, I'm the son of a genetic miracle and you're a Donnelly. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, and no, I, I know that I if I can do a couple of big runs up and down the wing, maybe when I get the ball on, on the third transition, I know I'll have a few metres on my opponent. And approaching each contest with that confidence... Long story short, you played unbelievably that first final. You guys beat, you were the last side, you were fourth, you played first, and you absolutely demolished them um, by 70 points or something. It was an absolute thrashing. Um, and then you played third or second. It was the way around. It was, you played third first. Oh, third first, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and second, long story short, yeah, you, you beat every team and won the grand final by no less than 50 points every game. Hmm. Um, and you were named one of the players of the final series. And then you found out later that night or after the grand final that the coaching staff and the selection panel the, the Tuesday before the first final had a 20-minute discussion around, I think we need to seriously drop Jordan Donnelly from this final series. And hmm. the irony behind that, like that's, that's the form, quotation marks form you were in, leading up to that final series and they were going to drop you because of it. And then you chose to create a different form during that final series. And that's, you were still nervous, right? Yeah. But it's the way you approached um, those nerves and what you committed to yourself, what kind of actions and mentality you committed to despite those nerves that allowed you to perform at your peak, perform what you were capable of. And I think, yeah, if these guys, your athletes, are going to Italy for these for this World Championships, they, they've done all the hard work physically. You know, it's just a question whether they can perform at their peak or not. And that, and I think the most important thing to understand is it's not outside of their control. It's 100% within their own control. And just choosing to commit to um, adopting a more positive mindset just does wonders. Choosing to acknowledge that I am a good cyclist. I have put in the hard work. I actually deserve to be here. Like little stuff like that and reminders actually really tremendously help. Mm. And we, we, uh, the language that you use there is funny. Uh, We are aware of it because we've done a lot of uh, background study in behavioral psychology and cognitive psychology and just doing short courses and that kind of thing because we were both so interested in it, which is why I called you at that time with footy because we'd done a few years of that study and I found myself in a position where I thought, well, I know a lot of this, but now I'm in a position where I need to apply it to myself. Mm. Um, I called you knowing that you would help. And one of the things that really helped was what you talk about here with state control and choosing your state. That terminology sounds funny, but basically you have to understand that at any point in time, we are in a certain emotional state, whether it's a happy emotional state or a confident emotional state or a nervous emotional state, a sad emotional state, whatever it is. And before a race, when you're really anxious and nervous, 
you've got to ask yourself, well, what am I focusing on right now? And if you're focusing on what can go wrong, if you're focusing on um, imagining, and this, we do this all the time in our head, we imagine how bad it could be, or we imagine the worst case scenario for some reason, and when you do that, it, it just Or imagine what's you- gone wrong in the past. Exactly, yeah. Oh, shit, every time I get into one of these big races, I, you know, I always stuff it up. Like that, what... How are you meant to feel confident, like, going into a race when you're concentrating on that? Yeah. Like, it's impossible. Yeah. Exactly. We always use the analogy of, um, because uh, it's a hard concept to grasp, because it's it's an uncomfortable concept to grasp, you know, being responsible for your emotions and your states and that sort of thing. But we always use the, the real world example that if you are watching a horrifically sad movie, you know, Marley and Me, the, the saddest movie in history where his dog, <laughs> yeah. he has to put his dog down. Um, or, you know, any sad movie. Watching that movie and when you're really into it, it's nearly impossible to crack a smile, to, to be genuinely happy mm. during that moment. And that's not a bad thing. Like, that's just reality. It's just life. Yeah. That's just life. And so, that's the lesson is when you're watching a movie in your mind and you're concentrating on that movie and you're reflecting on that movie your state your biology will react a certain way and so when you're leading up to an important race or you're on the start line um and the movie that you're choosing to play is a sad one is a stressful one it's an anxious one and and again a mistake riddled one that's right it's like we're always playing movies in our heads whether we realize it or not and when you can realize that and just step back for a second and go hang on what what scenario am I playing here? I'm actually imagining myself getting a mechanical. I'm imagining myself falling off my bike like on the first corner. Like, why am I playing this movie? Why am I like... That's that's such a brilliant uh, uh, thing you've brought up. And I just want to give you one story Mm. from... um, I don't really like telling a lot of stories about what's happened in my career, but one of the training things that I practiced from a lot of the reading that I did was I do this run from here up to Sherbrooke Forest and back. I know this story. And they have bollards at the entrance and bollards at the end so that cars or whatever can't go around the, the, the beautiful trails around Sherbrooke Forest, which is the mecca of running um, in, in Melbourne. And uh, that's why I moved here, so that I could train there. And one of the things I used to do was a two-hour run on a Wednesday and I'd run from home with our dog. And the mm. dog would stay at the start of the forest and wait for me till the end of the forest. And then, come on, Maddie, let's go We're, you know, back home. But I would run into the forest going, right, this is the start of my race. And when I got to the bollards at the end of the race, I'd put both hands in the air as if I'd just won mm. the, the race that I was about to finish mm. and say to myself, well done, you won, mm. with cheering inside saying, this is the feeling I want to have when I finish this Ironman race that I'm about to do mm. all this training for, these two years of training, every Wednesday I ran through the bollards with both hands in the air screaming out, which is very unlike me. But it was a movie that I played over and over again, week in, week out. Come that day when I actually won that race, it was so funny putting my hands sort of in the air. But, but you know, the, the, the mindset that I created about Getting to that position, that feeling, was from practicing it. Mm. The same movie. Repeat the same movie. That's actually a really good thing about what we do know about mindset is vis- visualization, which is what you're talking about, is actually has been scientifically documented and studied. And there actually is scientific proof behind. Um, I don't know if you guys know. Well, I know, Jordan, you know this particular example. I don't know, Dad, if you know it, but uh, the basketball free throw shooting. 
And so they had three groups of college students from a college team in America. Um, and they separ- separated them into groups of eight. And so they had group one with eight people, group two with eight people, group three with eight people. And um, all basketball players, all, you know, um, good good basketballers. And the first group, they didn't, that was the control group. They didn't add any additional free throw shooting to their regime. The second group, they made them do 100 free throws after every single training um, session, no matter what, 100 extra to whatever they've already done. And the third group, they didn't get them to do 100 free throws. They made them sit down on the bench and imagine doing 100 successful free throws. Now, at the end of the 12-week study period, they retested everyone, made them all do free throws, tracked how many they scored, how many they missed. And what they did is they measured the, the improvement of the group as a whole, so the average improvement. And obviously, group one didn't improve at all because they had, didn't do any extra training, didn't do any extra anything else. Um, and group two and group three, this is what's fascinating. You would expect group two to be significantly better than group three because they actually practiced. But what happened was there was no significant um, difference between the improvement between group two and group three. But both groups improved approximately the same amount. So one group from just doing it and the mm. other group just by visu- visu- visualizing it. Yep. And that's a really good study to bring up because a lot of people, uh, when they hear you talking about psychology or visual- visualization, it just sounds a bit woo-woo and just sounds a mm. bit, mm. well, you don't really know if that works or not. It sounds mm. a bit like magic. Um, but when you talk about it in this concept of, well, you really, you're just playing a mental movie in your head and we all do it every second of every day. So when you decide to play a different movie, because if you did if you didn't play that movie of putting your hands up in the air, let's pretend you got to the start of the race and you had the movie of you cramping or you mm. being really tired throughout mm. that, your, mm. your st- whole state would be different. That's mm. what we're talking about with mm. state control. You're not. It is quite hard just to say, okay, I'm going to be happy now, like you said, <laughs> Liam, because you know external factors influence that. And if you're just sitting there watching a sad movie and then you say, okay, I want to be happy now. It's not going to work. It's near impossible. But if yeah. you run a mental movie in your head of something, let's let's say, all right, if I want to be happy, let's let's think about a time I was happy. Let's play a mental movie in my head and mm. remember a specific time when I was happy, and go back to that time and remember who was there, what were you looking at, what you know, what were you feeling at the time, what were people saying to you, what were you saying to yourself. You start running that movie, and you start feeling a bit happier, and that becomes more real. And that's where the psychology you start to understand how playing these mental movies really does impact your state. And that's something that you can actually control and you can focus on. You can say, okay, well, which movie do you want to play? If I want to be motivated, if I want to feel good before a race, let's think of a time when I was, when I was motivated or let's think about all the training I've done. Mm. Um, let's think about the things that are going to help me control my state compared to running the movie that, of nerves or anxiety. And that's not to say that you're not going to be anxious. You know, before those footy finals, like you said, I was still nervous, but of course, the majority of the time I was playing the confidence movie in my head and, and my whole game completely changed because of that. And anyone before a race can, can try a similar thing. It's not going to get rid of all nerves. Mm. And th- that would be dumb because if you weren't nervous, it would probably mean it doesn't mean much to you. <laughs> mm. yeah, so you're not trying to not be nervous at all. You're just trying to run a better movie. Mm. And look, you know, just off the topic a little bit, nerves are great because it shows that it, you care. Mm. And if you don't care... Um, then you've got a problem straight away. Yeah. That's the fun of it at the end yeah. of the day. But... Yeah. And as you know, in life, anybody who's passionate about anything is normally going to be successful because um, they're not going to let anybody drag them down, pull them back or put barriers or roadblocks in front of them because they're wanting to achieve. And the difference is you get to the start line, everybody's trained. And at the professional highest level, they're all unbelievably good. They're all yeah. very similar. And the difference a lot of the time is who believes in it more than the other? 
And that's kind of what I want to talk to you guys about today is, you know, your, your belief in yourself and your confidence in yourself can play such a role when you've got two guys equally talented physically. The guy who's got the better mindset will win every time. Is there a question you want to ask around that? Yeah, so, so how, do you, how do you get rid of the negativity that's going to be coming through your thought process? Um, yeah, especially when it comes to especially that part of the day at the start or the night before where you're going to waste a little bit of energy worrying about the outcome um, and the external forces that you think could be sabotaging your race. Whereas you've got control over everything. That's the question. How, how do you get your what little tactics and things from mm. your experience and your study in, in mm-hmm. the mind that can actually help to uh, get you to, to think? Well, the simple answer is, what Jordan's already said, is change what you're focusing on. Because if you're focusing on going, shit happening and things going bad, then you're going to feel bad. You're going to feel nervous. So that's the simple answer is change what you're focusing on. Um, the unfortunate thing is that it can be difficult. and Yeah, because I was going to say, in order to do that, you need to accept the almost the universal law. If, if this is what you want to do, if you want to perform well, accept the universal law. And this isn't a real law. It's not, it's not like a law. It's a belief system. It's a belief system, yeah, that you are responsible for your results. And if you can accept that responsibility, then you have the self-discipline and power in yourself to decide what you want to focus on and be in control of that. Hmm. However, if you don't accept that responsibility, it's going to be difficult for you to take control of the state that you want to be in because you're going to be blaming external factors. And that's that, is, that belief system is a choice because hmm. you can either say, well, no, that's not true. Not everything is my responsibility. There's going to be external factors. And if that's it, then you're going to be relying on external factors to help you to win or help you perform. <laughs> and that is, I don't want to be in that position. I'd rather just have the responsibility on myself. Yeah, I want to be in control. Yeah. For sure. And put it this way, if you're not confident in your ability to handle your emotions and take control of your emotions, I've got reassurance for you right now because as athletes, hopefully you've experienced this because I assume we've all experienced it at some point. But when we get in that flow state, that state where, where it can be during training, it can be during a race, but where you just feel bulletproof. Everything comes together. You just feel amazing. Your muscles work exactly how they feel like they should. Your breathing is just perfectly in sync. You're not getting tired. Everything's just going amazingly well. We've all had that experience in our career at some point. Now, the thing that's important to remember is that a magic wizard didn't come along and just touch you and create that for you. You created it yourself. And you can debate whether, oh, I didn't consciously create it or, you know, I, it was luck that that happened. Regardless of whether I'm correct and whether this belief system is true, it doesn't matter. The, the reality is that you have experienced that flow state in the past. And so, therefore, you can choose to believe that was luck or you can choose to believe that you had a role in creating that bulletproof state. Now, if you choose the latter, which I highly suggest you do, because it will make you a better athlete and you'll perform better. If you choose to believe that you've had a role in the past about creating an amazing state for yourself, that means that you can probably make that state again in some way, shape or form. 
And it also means, this is what you're saying, Jordan, about um, taking responsibility. If you've created good feelings and good states in your past, then you probably will have the ability to create bad states in the past. Uh, sorry, in the future. Bad states in the future. Bad and anxious states in the future. And vice versa. If you've created really anxious and negative states in the past, that's awesome because you've proven that you have the ability to change your (laughs) physiology and your biology and ride crap just from your mindset. That's how powerful your mindset is. So if you've done that in the past, that's awesome because then you have the ability to then switch that thinking and use that same mental power that you've got that you've created in the past to create really good outcomes for yourself in the future. And that should be exciting, exciting for you. So literally, yeah, the the simple ways to change uh, your focus and what you're focusing on. Uh, But I know a lot of people that we work with and we talk to is they really struggle to believe that they can do that. Yeah, because like you said, it is it is difficult to do that. And to do that, you have to you have to be willing to take that responsibility. And we, we also call it uh, results versus reasons. Mm. And it's an equation. There's, you can be on the results side of the equation or you can be on the reasons side of the equation. And what that means is you can either get the results that you want or you'll have reasons as to why you don't get the results. And you can call them reasons, you can call them excuses, whatever. Those, those reasons can be entirely valid. But if you don't get the result, then it's a reason why you don't have the result. <laughs> um, and you know, your reasons or your excuses can range in the level of, well, that's, that's not acceptable. You know, that's, that's just you being weak to a completely acceptable excuse. But regardless of how acceptable it is, you're either on the result side or the reason side. You can't have a bit of both. Mm. And so if you, want to, if you want to do your best to get the results that you want, you want to put yourself on the result side. And I, talk, I, I argue heavily with this with, uh, about Lance Armstrong. Because while he was a drug cheat, he won seven Tour de France's in a row uh, without any "quote unquote" bad luck. <laughs> so he, he well, he did have bad luck. He did have mechanical yeah, that sort of thing, but not enough bad luck to for him to lose a race. And the Tour de France is so hard to win because over three weeks anything can happen. Mm-hmm. And he had mechanicals. He had crashes. Um, he ran had, off the road. He ran off the road. Yeah, crazy things happened to him, but he's. Regardless of the drugs, his mindset was so strong that he was on the results side that no matter what happened, no matter what reasons he had, he was still going to win. Mm. And that's probably the mindset that made him take drugs. But to do it seven years in a row, you can't underestimate how incredible that is from a results point of view. And you see so many Tour de France riders now, and the most recent example is probably Richie Porte, who mm. every year something seems to go wrong. And you can call a crash bad luck, but it's still it's still a reason. Yeah, it's not that's a right. Result. Yeah. And this is... <laughs> This again, this gets really tricky, and it's it's tough talking about psychological concepts like this because you don't want to blame Richie for his crash. Exactly, like, that's not what that's not what we're saying here, and um, <laughs> it's it's so funny because everything we're talking about is so arbitrary and and not real, but it has a very real consequence, mm. and so everything we're talking about here it doesn't matter whether factually we are correct in our thinking and our theories it doesn't matter whether science maybe one day might disprove all of this all that matters is if and this is the what comes down to this, is the placebo effect like it's been proven that people that take a drug like a panadol or something or a painkiller or something that actually isn't anything do receive physical relief in symptoms 
their body reacts exactly like they would react if it was interacting with a chemical. And that is absolutely mind-blowing. And that, that proves that belief can actually create change. It can overcome. It can. Mm. And so what we're saying is that a, the most bulletproof belief that you can have is that you control everything. Now, I'm pretty sure that that's not true. I'm pretty sure that we can't control everything, but I rarely think like that. Instead, I live my life and I approach my sport with the fact that I am 100% in control of everything that happens. That includes mechanicals. That includes crashes. That includes punctures. Because if I'm in control of it, then I'll make sure that doesn't happen. And this is this is where it gets so tricky. And that, like we've had conversations with you, Dad, around mm. like you had a period there where the Tour of Bright was such an important race for you, and pretty much every year you would go, you went in with a tremendous physical form, really with a favourite to win each year. And then every single year something would happen. Either you would have a puncture, have a crash, mechanical, you would That's get sick. really sick, really mm. physically ill, and all this sort of stuff. And we're not saying that. You created that. We're not saying it's your fault you had a mechanical. We're not saying it's it's all this sort of stuff. But what we are saying is that if you choose to adopt the belief, even though it's probably not real, it's pretend. It doesn't matter if it's pretend because something that's pretend, a belief that's pretend or a belief that's actually incorrect still can create physical changes. That's mm. what we find in, in mm. the placebo effect. Mm. Yeah. And so... Yeah, if you're a person that's struggled with results in the past or in important races and that sort of thing, realize that, okay, if I change my ideology, I change my approach to mindset and thinking and I go, you know what? No, I am Superman or Superwoman. I control absolutely everything that happens in my life. All of a sudden, that's an incredibly empowering Mm. feeling to have. Mm. All of a sudden, you you feel very strong and very good. Mm-hmm. And you look at people like Lance Armstrong, you look at, you know, the pe- people at the top, like Dustin Martin at the moment in, in AFL. You know, when he grabs the ball and he sees four players, opposition players all around him, do you think he goes into the mindset of, oh, I've been, I've been tackled in the past. I don't know if I want to get tackled again. You know, like... I don't. Is that the kind of movie that he's playing in his head? No freaking way. He plays the movie that I can't get. Tackled. I cannot get tackled. Mm. I am so strong that anyone that comes at me, I will shove them in the chest mm. and run away from them. Mm. And he does exactly that mm. eight times out of ten. He still mm. gets tackled two times out of ten. It doesn't mm. matter because mm. he takes that risk anyway, and it works out the majority of the time. You know, but it's yeah. if without having that bulletproof mindset. And the reason you take it to the extreme and say things like a bulletproof mindset and have the mindset of Superman is to show people that it is a bit of a game. It's a game. But try try pretending to be in that mindset and see how much better you feel. Because obviously, you can't control everything. Obviously, you can't control the weather. You know, things are going to happen <laughs> to you. Right. But the, and I think a better way to put it is you don't control everything, but you do control your response to everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if Superman, you know, if he was racing and then it was really wet, <laughs> he, would, he, would ride, he would ride well in the wet rather than trying to, trying to stop the rain or whatever. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah reacting to, to the conditions is, is a mindset too, yeah, isn't it? exactly. Jeez, it's really windy. Well, 
of course it's really windy, but it's windy for every Everyone. single person in this yeah. place. How are you going to deal yeah. with the wind? That's yeah. more important, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And if, you know, for our guys in this race, I'm always banging on about uh, tactical positioning. Yeah. And if you don't have the right mindset of... I remember in Perth when there was, I think, 250 riders on the start line for our age group. And at some stage, we rode along the freeway in Perth for about 25 kilometres. Mm. And there was really wide road. And we knew that it was going to narrow to, when we got off the freeway into a single lane. 250 riders, just like a pro tour peloton, doesn't fit. Mm. So all of a sudden, the guy who is in the first 10 is now 150 metres ahead of the guy who's 250th. So to get from 250th, 200 metres behind, it's a big a big effort physically to get back yeah. up to the front. So the key mindset for me was I must stay in the top 10, 15 riders the whole time I'm on this freeway before we get to the hills where it's really going to count. And a couple of the guys from Melbourne kept coming up to me saying, I don't know how you're doing this. You're holding your position, yet people continually pushing me backwards. Mm. And two or three times um, one of the guys came up to me and said exactly the same thing. He's going, what are, you, what are you doing? Mm. How are you doing this? And it was just my concentration was so determined that I'm not losing my position. And if, the, if we turned direction and the wind was coming from the right, I moved across to the left. So the four guys were protecting me from that crosswind. If the wind came from the other direction, I moved again. And I just continually moved the whole first hour and stayed in that position. And, of course, there was a massive crash in that race where the particular guy who was asking me that and I don't like mentioning names, but he actually had a really bad crash and ended up in, in hospital for a long time mm. to do with positioning. It was unlucky, mm. but here we go with uh, mindset. Mm. And, you know, had he probably had the same mindset as me, the crash could have been in front of me as well. Yeah, that's but it, right. But it wasn't. Um, and, you know, am I fortunate? Well, I just had the right tactics, mm. mindset, positivity, bulletproof. So there's two really important points in that. Uh, one is uh, actually a pre-point is... A lot of people get switched off when you talk about just be positive. Um, and I agree because it's not the goal isn't to be positive because you're going to be equally positive and negative in certain points, but the goal mm. is to switch your focus when it counts. But Liam, you made a really important point in that saying if you if you have the ability to be in a negative state, you always have the ability to be in a positive state. And we see we've seen so many examples of professional athletes choking on the big stage mm-hmm. and I can't remember the guy who the guy was, but there was an epic story of this table tennis guy who made the final of the Olympics and mm. or the World Championships or something. And he, table tennis, you hit hundreds of thousands of balls in your in your career, and he got to the final and he choked and seized up so bad he couldn't hit the ball. Like, it was mm. just an absolute disaster, cringeworthy, and his mind just crumbled on him. And a guy that hits a ball thousands of times a day for a living mm. suddenly couldn't hit a ball in the final, and it was just mindset. But like you're saying. If your body, if your mind has the power to create that sort of response <laughs> and be so bad, it probably also has the power to, you know, make you feel really good mm. and be in a really good state. Mm. So that's number one. But number two, and what you were talking about just then, is you can make it easier on yourself by doing a lot of other things. And as a coach, you would have all this advice, but it's in your whole preparation. So how do you reduce the nerves on race day or leading up to the race? It's to be, you can list them off, well, well prepared. So in your training in the 12 weeks leading up to it, the day before doing recon on the course, um, in the morning having a good breakfast. I mean, you can list them off. Um, by the time you get to the start line, you're so well prepared that you're taking all those other factors out that could hinder you. Whereas if you're panicking, if you're in a rush, if you don't know what you're eating, um, if you haven't got your equipment right, you're going to be in a really poor state. And then tactics in the race play a part as well. If you if you know you want to stay in the top 10 or 15, that's your tactic. If a crash happens in front of you, then 
that's unlucky and so be it. Um, but if you know that's your tactic, uh, you'd say, well, there wasn't more I could do. I was at the front of the race. Mm. Um, and that's you taking responsibility for your actions. Mm. And this is where we get into the, the, the name that we give a lot of these concepts is comes down to beneficial beliefs or limiting beliefs. Mm. And so holding the belief that if I have a good night's sleep and I have a good breakfast before a race, I race well. That's a beneficial belief to have, even if it's not real. Even if you're completely delusional and your sleep the night before has nothing to do with how you perform in a race, if that's what the science proves, like ironically the science doesn't prove that, so, yeah. but it's a bad example. But it doesn't matter because we know from the placebo effect that having a certain belief can have physiological and biological changes and your body can perform from that beneficial belief. But holding the belief that if I don't get a good night's sleep and I don't eat um, right and I don't get my um, preparation and warm-up right, I will race badly. That's a limiting belief because who's to say that all that stuff will make you race badly? You're the one deciding. You're the one deciding that, okay, this is the rule. If you know I get some dirt on my shoes or um, you know I don't get my favorite car park or whatever before the race... Like, what are those superstitions? Are? Like, some people are superstitious. Jocks. And, like, we're in the same jocks everywhere. Yeah. Winning jocks. These are my winning jocks. You're like welcome. Them. I encourage you to be superstitious if it's, been, it's a beneficial belief. Yeah. You know, but if your superstition doesn't go right for whatever reason in your preparation or whatever. Wearing the wrong jocks. Yeah, that's right. It turns into a limiting belief. And if that makes makes you, <laughs> Jordan and I always go, quotation marks, makes you perform worse. Because the irony is nothing makes you perform worse. Only you do. Yeah. Only you decide to perform worse <laughs> yeah. because your jocks are different. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that's that's the reality. So, again, like, for me, superstitions aren't, aren't for me. That's okay. You're well, I welcome you to have them, especially if they make you perform well. If your superstitions, you know, give you beneficial beliefs and make you perform well, then embrace them. That's mm. great. That's a, that's mm. a tactic that you can use your psychology to your advantage. But you could set yourself up for failure because I lost my exactly. favorite jocks yeah. and now I'm going to perform poorly. And so you need to hold that paradox in your mind. You need to mm. be like, if I have my superstitious jocks, I will perform amazingly. But if I don't, if they get wrecked in the wash or they get dyed pink by my red jersey and they're ruined, it actually doesn't impact me. I'll still ride just as well. And the reality is that we can make all of this stuff up because we're in charge. And that's the, mo- the most fun mm. thing about this mindset stuff and um, how much enjoyment we've got out of it personally, Jordan, you and I. Because experimenting. Experimenting with yeah. this sort of stuff. And because, yeah, we admittedly sport and competing is so much more fun when you master this sort of stuff because you feel like you've got an, a drug that none of your other competitors have that you literally have an unfair advantage over everybody else because you can manipulate your mind in this way and manipulate your thoughts and manipulate your beliefs. And all of a sudden, you are feeling like you're pumped up on doping and EPO and whatever. I don't even know what they feel like, but I imagine that you feel unstoppable and you feel mm. bulletproof. And you can almost create that, mm. that exact feeling. And it's a very real feeling from very made-up beliefs. Mm. Mm. And that's what's so funny and like a, Ridiculous. a little story that uh, might give an example of uh, having a belief um, that's not real. And look, the four children I have, uh, you two were quite uh, slow in developing. And Jordan actually pointed this out the other day when we were looking through photo albums and he saw himself in a year 12 photo 
and he was in shock at the size that he was against the rest of the people in his class. And it's something that I instilled in you guys was that size, when you were little, you didn't even think, you you thought you were normally Mm. the same size as everybody else because you had belief that what I was telling you was it doesn't matter Mm. what size you are, you can still perform. That's right. And it was a shock to you guys to look back, and it was just it was just last week mm. when we were flicking through. You were just couldn't believe that you were competing in athletics, cross country. You made mm. the state, both of you made the state cross country team at the nationals, represented Victoria at the national t- titles as midgets mm. compared to the rest of the guys in your mm. um, in your age races. And you know the guys who you've raced against are mm. really physically developed. And you were both, you know, under 15, under 14, under 16, whatever it was. Mm. You were really... Uh, physically against men, really. Physically not mature, <laughs> but your belief in your ability mm. overrode your physicalness. And that's something that I was in awe of, how you embraced that. Um, and you believed what I was telling you. Was don't worry about that. I've grown up myself being a small person mm. um, in a man's physical. I played football as a sixteen-year-old in open age football. Yet I was a, a stick, a matchstick, mm. and I would, you know, people would go, "Oh, you know, not a good idea." Not a good idea to be out there. <laughs> but I had that uh, survival instinct of um, I'm not going to get tackled or I'm not going to get bumped. Um, so I use my skill of evasiveness, etc., the positive things to to get me to where I wanted to be, which is to play at that level. And you you both were able to do that um, as as junior sports people. Um, it's now that you're you know you you matured as a 19, 20, 21, 22 year old. You caught up very quickly, and you know then all of a sudden you had the same physicality as the people of your same age. Mm-hmm. And it was only then when uh, you were actually, you know, probably better athletes than yeah. you were when uh, beforehand. But it was the state of mind that was so intriguing to me that you totally believed, um, with good reason, that I was telling you guys were you deserved to be here. You're good enough, and you proved it because you got selected. It wasn't like you got a free trip. Um, you you performed in those races um, because you had the belief. You mm. had the right movie mm. that that. I'm going to do this to get to this end result. Mm. And it, all I had to do was do these actions and that would get me to where I want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other example um, that I use a lot was the um, when, I, when I'm telling athletes about um, the mindset of uh, looking at the result rather than the, the actual action. Process. Yeah. The process. And, you know, the footballer, the classic example, the grand final, if you want to use that scenario, the story, you know, it's been happening a lot. And it's not just the grand final, but, you know, the siren's gone. Some guy's taken a mark and he has to kick the goal to win, Mm. misses, and they lose. Mm. And last week it was with the Eagles, um, you know, to win the game, to stay in the top two. Mm. And four weeks ago it was Geelong and it's happened so many times. And you see the guys, you know, guys who just think, okay, if I kick the goal, we win. And Mm. that's all they're focusing on is the outcome. Mm. And the guy who goes, right, my routine is I go back put the ball down, pull mm. my socks up, um, I don't care, I'm in a bubble, no one else is around me, I just do five steps in, kick the ball, drop it perfectly, go through for a goal, oh, and by the way, now I win. That process ahead of the results, is that something that, that you know, the mind can, can control as well? Um, thinking too much about the result rather than actually performing the, <laughs> the process? Again, it's just what you focus on, it's, mm. and that, it, 
is such a powerful yet simple lesson because if focusing on results gets you a positive into a positive mindset, then focus on results. Yeah. But for the majority of people that, or well, not majority, maybe like 60, 80% of people, that's not the case. Focusing yeah. on results actually is really stressful. Mm. So then it helps to not focus on results. Some people thrive off it. Like yeah. I imagine it maybe Dustin Martin, if he marked at 30 out, he would be thriving going, if I kick this, I kick the winner. Well, I'm pretty pumped about in that. In the NBA, you look LeBron James and then before him, Michael Jordan demanding to have mm. the winning shot to mm. win the game. Mm. Like, there is no way they were letting their teammates have that the winning shot. The confidence they had. That's, that's right. Mm. And it's that because they have that mindset that I want to be the hero. Mm. I'm, mm. I'm the best. I mm. want to prove it. Mm. And as opposed, risk. Uh, yeah, as opposed to the mindset, oh, I don't. I mm. hope I don't miss this because then everyone will find out I'm not the best. Mm. Like, well, I choked. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Well, it's not even a question for them. They're, they're so far ahead in their level of mindset and thinking. Yeah. It's not a question of whether I make the shot or I don't. It's I need to prove to everyone just how good I am because mm. I know how good mm. I am. Mm. And so I need to do these ridiculous things mm. to prove how good I am. Yeah, the risk versus reward <laughs> doesn't come into it for them, does it? It's It's... Because there's no risk. Because yeah, right. they're the best. They've got nothing to lose. Yeah. 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 Not gonna, yeah. There's no risk because they're not going to miss. Mm. Yeah, Superman's not afraid of the stupid because it's Superman. <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> but it, it, I think it's important to know that it works both ways and it takes practice because mm. uh, I'm by no means by no means mastered this. We've just had some experiences where we've gone, whoa, this stuff kind of works. And mm. I still play footy every week and I play some shocking games. <laughs> and um, I know that I, I always have shots on Thursday night after training and... If I'm nailing those shots, I'm running a good movie, I generally kick a goal or two on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And if I miss them on Thursday, I'll run into goal and immediately play that picture of missing on Thursday and I'll miss the goal. Like, it happens every time. <laughs> and I would say, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's really bad, Jordan. Yeah, so it, it takes it takes practice to, to run this right movie. But if you've got a situation where you've got an A race coming up, it's a good chance for you to go, all right, well, mm. let's, let's have a crack at this and just see if I can play a better movie in my head. Mm. Focus on the right things. I think for me, my one of my big aha moments was I used to get really nervous before athletics meets. Really, really nervous that, um, you know, this is controversial, but I, I look back in hindsight now and I look at self-sabotage and injuries that I created um, during those athletic years to not compete because it was actually better to not compete than it was to risk the chance of failure. And I would create overuse injuries and um, repetitive strain injuries um, in my legs. So I would get the, get off the hook from competing and potentially failing. And I remember in my final year um, of APS and I had the opportunity to represent um, uh, the school in the 800. And it was something like I always dreamed of competing on APS day back when it was at Olympic Park. And, you know, there was 10,000 people really, like eight mm. to 10,000 people in the crowds. It was awesome. Um, and I'd never, oh, I had an opportunity as a, as a younger kid, but I'd never had the opportunity to be there on, on the big day um, as a senior. And I remember that it was out of me and one other guy to make the team for this 800. And he was faster than me. And he, his PB was better than mine. And even when he ran poorly, it was still better than my PB. And I needed to run pretty much on two minutes flat or better to beat him um, in order to have a go, have, be able to represent the school. And for some reason on this day, the movies, I, I didn't even know neurolinguistics and I didn't know mindset at this point. But for some reason on that day, instead of being nervous and worrying about what was going to happen, 
I just approached that mindset of there's no way I'm going to lose to this guy. I'm I'm the fastest thing there is. Um, I remember the, what's that movie? Um, <laughs> just, Mel was, Gibson is it? Mel, was no, it? No, no, it, yeah, it is Mel Gibson. Um, when he's the runner and he goes to war and his coach asks him, "What are your legs made out of?" Iron Springs. Springs. How yeah. fast are you? As fast as a leopard. Yeah. How fast are you? As fast as a leopard. How fast are you going to run? As yeah. fast as a leopard. Yeah. And I remember talking to myself like that in my warm up, mm. and all of a sudden I had way less. Fears and way less nerves, mm. and I was just, it was just bullshit. Like mm. chariots of fire was one of them. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. It's yeah. just yeah. anyway. I beat this guy. I ran two minutes flat, PB by a mile for mm. for me. And I remember as I went around the back straight um, with six hundred to go or five fifty. Yeah, so three two fifty to go. I remember just feeling so good and not tired. I was going to wait to the very end to go around him because um, in my mindset I was like oh no I have to because I'm, I'm going to be holding on the whole race and just trying to get around him at the last second and that was my whole theory for the last like weeks leading up to it but then in, in the actual race and prior because I'd changed the movies I was playing what I was imagining and what I was talking um, about myself <laughs> I just remember feeling so good and just going I'm so fast I'm going right around you right now and I did. I went right around him. And in hindsight, it, like, it looks stupid. Like, why would you risk mm. that? But I had the mindset to do it. Mm. It changed my physi- physicality. Mm. I was able to hold that for the rest of the race, and I finished ahead of him. And look, he wouldn't have expected that either because he'd never had you pass him. That's and that right. would have been a negative yeah. thing for him to, That's right. to experience. And you could, it could have actually been tactically magnificent because mm. um, it, it was either going to make him go faster or completely destroy him, which it actually did. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And so, yeah, since that day, I've never really struggled with nerves the same way I used to um, because I had that aha moment that I can actually get rid of nerves purely by concentrating on something else concentrating on not what could go wrong in the race not what mm. what has gone wrong for me in the past not how scary i find this stuff but concentrating on how fucking good i am mm. you know and i'm not saying this works for everyone but for me in that particular instance that's what i needed to tell myself that's the mm. movie i needed to play mm. in, my, in my head rather than shying away from the contest yeah. bring it on <laughs> embrace it i'm ready right. they're the they're the things that um i use in my Mm. You know, it's good that you've got this analogy of as a, as a movie. I've never really thought of it like that. But mm. the thought processes that I always have is, don't be scared. Mm. Bring it on. You're ready. Mm. And, you know, I'm I'm ready for battle, whether it's a battle between me and some other guy or, you know. This is another example of positive self-talk. Like, it's so simple. But yep. mm. if you, and this is quite confronting, you know, because you might be listening and going, well, am I someone that is on the self-sabotage side of things? Am I someone that tends to use reasons instead of, just just focusing on the result and mm. it's natural because we don't we don't want to look bad in front of our peers we don't want to look bad in front of other people so we want to, don't want to disappoint ourselves yeah exactly we so we we it's it's it feels easier and it feels more comfortable to use an excuse or use a reason mm. because it mm. doesn't make you feel worse about yourself you go well i couldn't help that mechanical so it's easier mm. to blame that than mm. to blame myself because you put a lot of pressure on yourself mm-hmm. but you talk about the top guys um or even just the most humble guys no matter what happens, they don't use the excuse if they get a mechanical. And you mm. told the story of Frank mm. um, getting mm. a mechanical, which really mm. cost him the race, but mm. didn't complain about it once. And mm. it's actually much more, it's much more admirable to see. And mm. people respect you a lot more if you just, if you can say, look, I put in my best effort, that was the best result I could get. Mm. Compared to 
Everyone knows, everyone knows. Everyone knows when you're using a reason. <laughs> like, no one wants to hear you say, yeah. "Oh, this this stuffed me up," because no one's going to believe you anyway. So <laughs> that's so true, Jordan. And one of the guys I really love watching because of that is Peter Sagan. I was going to bring him up. I mean, he's he's won. Say he's won a hundred races. He's come second a hundred times. Mm. He's a, he's approached the world championships, right? Like, I don't lose a world championship. That's his, been his mindset mm. in the last few years. He's won three, hasn't he? Yeah, but but he he when he gets interviewed. It is pretty hilarious <laughs> because if he loses, well, I tried my best. Yeah, like the others were too good yeah. on the day, and it's just brilliant because mm-hmm. you never hear him say, "My teammates let me down." Yeah, Cavendish. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what was that? <laughs> but you can. T- you, it's just. It's great to see some people, and they're the people I love to associate yeah. with. Is because yeah. um, there's never a reason. Yeah. Yeah. It's a. Uh, well, I wasn't good enough yeah. today. If you, if you look up in the record books, it doesn't list you all the world titles you would have won if you didn't have a mechanical. Yeah. It says who won the race for that year, and it says who won the race for the year after. And the thing I love about Saga is what exactly say. He put, he posted his Instagram after every race, and he would just blatantly say, just say I wasn't good enough today, mm. or uh, I didn't have the legs. Or he'll say, really happy with this win. I rode really well. I was yep. feeling good. <laughs> I think a concept that we haven't talked about, um, which, again, really helped me with my nerves after I started studying this stuff and learning about this stuff, um, is it's a difficult concept because it's what we like to call a paradox. It's holding two contradictory beliefs at the same time and both utilizing them to the best of your ability. So you can't you can't pick up a pen and go, this pen is red, but this pen is also blue. Like, that's a paradox. It's not possible in one, the real world. One of them isn't true. One of them isn't true. So, if one of them is true, then the other one has to be false. That's what a paradox is. But what's awesome about this psychology stuff is that it's a, it's a game. It's pretend. It doesn't have to make logical sense in order for it to have a positive impact on you and your real world results. And so, having the mindset that this is an important race... I care so much about this race and I'm going to do whatever it takes to win this race whilst at the same time holding the mindset that I do not care about the result of this race. I'm just going to have fun. I'm going to enjoy it. I've done all my hard work leading up to it. I'm just going to go out there and and I really don't care whether I win, crash, lose or die. It doesn't matter. What ends up happening for me personally, and this might help you, it might not, but um, that created an incredible feeling of confidence in myself because I was disassociated from the outcome of the race, outcome outcome from the event. And so whilst I still cared, like, you know, I'm Jared Donnelly's son, like I I'm, I'm, can't not be competitive when I'm playing, you know, five-side social netball. Like <laughs> it's very, very serious. <laughs> but at the same time, I, I really don't care about, um, about the result. And... You, you listen to that, it doesn't make sense. It can't be true. It's a paradox. It's logically incorrect. But doing your best to hold that belief and both those beliefs simultaneously actually does an amazing thing for you. It's And a real classic example is the um, optimal arousal chart, um, which you, mm. you learn in the most basic form of psychology. But there's a, the arousal chart, which is that um, inverted U, where you... Um, reach a certain level of arousal, which is optimal level. And if you go past that, you're over-aroused, you perform poorly. If you're under-aroused, you're too lax, you won't perform well. (laughs) And what those two beliefs are doing are getting you to that optimal point of arousal Mm -hmm. where you're hyping yourself up enough that it's a really important race. But if you do that too much, you're going to be over-aroused. So then you hold the belief that you actually don't care about the race. You just find that midpoint. That's right. That's so well put. Yeah. 
That's, I think, I mean, there's a lot to cover in psychology. We might do a few more podcasts on this because we think it's really important, but that's probably a good starting point. We've covered a lot here. And I think Mm. for the people coming up to their A races, you're going to give them a lot of specific tactics on what Mm. they need to do to prepare physically and to prepare for the race so that they're organized and they're on top of things. And when you're on top of things, it's easy to be a bit more relaxed and they can just focus on playing the right movies in their head and... Having, yeah. a, having a crack at that. And look, this is really an opportune time, as I said right at the beginning. Um, it's good for the guys to actually have a listen to what we've spoken about today because um, for me, it's great to hear you two speaking about this because you've actually studied it uh, in depth and you've actually experienced it as athletes yourselves. And um, there is theory and there is practice and sometimes the theor- theorists have no experience mm. practically and you guys have, have, have been disappointed and at the same time, been you know euphoric about results and you know, your football campaign you've played two seasons of football and you've won two premierships <laughs> yeah. that's a hundred percent record which is absolutely unachievable yeah. and and you know a lot of people um spud frawley's uh, girls team just won the grand final on the weekend um he's never been in a winning grand final in his whole career yeah. um yet you know so mm. so you can have you know still have a fantastic career it's not all about winning but at the same time, you can have the right mindset to to get yourself to a point where you're enjoying yourself that much that you can't wait for the next contest. And and kind of, I think that's the message I want to get across to all the guys going to Italy and the, the two uh, triathletes going to South Africa for the world titles in seventy point three, is that you know the the physical side, the preparation side is all done, and this uh, podcast today is really giving you absolute gold information about how you can. Uh, prepare yourself pre-race during the race and, and execution of your event. Um, and to have the right movie playing will make such a difference to um, to the outcome. And, and the belief you have uh, in yourself and, and uh, your preparation and the positive um, way you approach it um, definitely influences the outcome. Would you agree with that? Definitely. And I'm, I'm really glad we had this podcast, the three of us, because our whole life we've been kind of having these conversations about you know, mindset going into races and uh, hearing your experience and then us trialing it ourselves and having conversations pre and post events about what's working, what's not. And we really found that we can improve our own performances just by shifting our focus when the work for the most part has been done. So, mm. yep. Well, thank you so much, Liam. Um, I know it's a long way to come from Coolum for, <laughs> uh, for this podcast. <laughs> And Jordan, as always, um, it's been really, uh, for me, very valuable and I'm really hoping that all of our athletes uh, get to listen to this because, um, you know, I've learnt so much off you two. It's so rare for, uh, you know, an adult who's been here for double the time you guys have been on this earth to uh, to be able to learn so much from from uh, such young minds and, uh, yeah, really, really thanks so much to you guys for, uh, for uh, giving your thoughts. No worries. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Travello Coaching Podcast. As always, leave your reviews. We've had a few good ratings. We've had a few five-star ratings on uh, iTunes, which is good. Always leave positive reviews. And I always always say, if you've got negative reviews, keep them to yourself. Um, <laughs> and ask any questions or let us know of any topics. A few people have been emailing topics that they want us to talk about. So we'll keep getting through them. Other than that, we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you very much.